welcome to Emmanuel for our evening of carols. My name is Edward Millet. I'm the new uh, team vicar here at Emmanuel. It's a great joy to be here for my first carols. And if it's your first here as well, uh, welcome. It is great to have you here. Welcome if you're joining us online. Hello to those who are at home uh, not very well. We miss you all, guys. Um, wish that you were here with us. Uh, uh, just a few notices. Uh, toilets are out there on the right. Uh, fire escape is that door there, or make your way out that way uh, there. Please do turn your phones off so we can really enjoy the men's choir later. Uh, <laughs> the way, uh, and the rest of the singing as well, obviously. Uh, what we will do this evening is we will run without announcements, so it'll simply just roll along. Uh, and uh, if you're not sure what to do, I'll be sat down here at the front and you can see whether I'm sitting, kneeling or lying prostrate and you can do the same. <laughs> We're going to do carols interspersed uh, with readings, the odd prayer, a short sermon and a little interview. So lots of little bits in between our carols. <laughs> All the words that you need will appear on the screen above you there so you don't need to worry about not being able to read something in front of you. Um, and I think that is everything I need other than to say uh, that the first one that we're doing uh, uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem is that right? Once, Once in Royal David City sorry Once in Royal David City there will be for the first verse a solo so please don't sing at that point but on number two you can all pitch in um, the solo won't be by me you'll be pleased to hear <laughs> Uh, so we're going to start with uh, a little introduction. We're going to be thinking uh, today about this verse uh, from the Bible, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, which says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake and mine he became poor, so that through his poverty you and I might become rich. Let's pray before we start. Uh, Lord God, Heavenly Father, we're deeply humbled that you, though you are worthy of all honour and glory and praise and power, Lord, that you would come to us, though we are worthy of so little, uh, and Lord, that you might do that in order that we might flourish and become rich. And I pray, Lord, that that good news would fill our hearts with gladness and joy as we sing, as we hear from you in your word, as we, uh, as we pray. Bless us this evening, I pray. Amen. Amen. Prophets Isaiah and Micah foretell the birth of Jesus centuries before his coming. Isaiah 9, verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, 
You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And Micah chapter 5 verses 2 to 4. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labour bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. One, verses 26 to 38. The birth of Jesus is announced by the angel Gabriel to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. <coughs> Thank <laughs> you.
someone at the Christmas carols, so I've asked um, Matt and Naomi to come up here, and we're going to ask them a little bit, get to know them a bit, but also just be encouraged by uh, how they love this Jesus who has, though rich, become poor for us. So Naomi and Matt, are you out there somewhere? Come on up, guys, come on up. You come and stand here. I'll stand off the side. Well, thanks for doing this. It was dangerous walking around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you chose the dangerous route there. Yeah, yeah. So come on, step up to the plate so you're in that microphone zone. And tell us. Now, um, you, you haven't been coming... You're quite recent at Emmanuel Church family, aren't you? You guys, what, six months in? A year. Oh, a year in? I'm so sorry. I've only been here two minutes, so I don't know what's going on. Uh, more like four minutes now, isn't it, actually? Um, guys, uh, tell us, what is your favourite Christmas food stuff? Christmas food. Um, pigs in blankets got a good shout this morning, yeah. so I'll yeah. go with the popular vote. Yeah. I was under strict instructions to say anything my husband cooks. Um, oh, very good. That was enthusiastic, wasn't it? Yeah, to be fair, it's usually true. But yeah, no, um, I think we're, we're a good cheese board home. Uh, a good cheese board always wins. Solid form. Um, now, guys, tell us, why is Jesus so important to you both? Can you encourage us with that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the song that we just sang had so much of it in there, didn't it? I mean, like at this time of year, we're thinking about the fact that, I mean, how extraordinary is it that God himself was born as a man? He was born as Jesus. He lived the life. We have that recorded in the gospel. And then he died. And on the cross, he took the sin. He took the punishment that was mine and died for me. Um, and that's done. That's past tense. It's already happened. Um, what a foundation, what confidence that gives us that that has already happened. Um, yeah, that's me. That's great, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yes, I think building on that confidence, um, I, find, I find it so important to know where I'm going. Um, you know, this life um, won't last forever. Um, I find it so encouraging to know that um, I'll be in the new creation with my saviour um, who has forgiven me today. Um, so knowing where I'm going in this life, um, you know, that's just so important um, to live every day, knowing that. Oh, that's wonderful. So knowing what he has done for you in the past, which means that you're forgiven everything, means that you know exactly where you're going in the future. That's marvellous. Could you tell us a bit, what, what difference has it made to you following him uh, in your life, would you say? Because you've done that for a while, haven't you? I mean, pretty much yeah. since you guys were, were kids, I think. Yeah. yeah. Both, both grew up in Christian households. Both spent a long time. Uh, learning about the Lord, learning from the Bible as kids and growing up, but then thinking about it for ourselves, certainly, sort of like, you know, as we left home, um, <coughs> thought about it a lot more deeply and, you know, take, you know believed it. Um, you know, what, what difference does that make? I mean, I think that, you know, if I, think, if I just think about the last year, the high highs and the very, very low lows, um, very deep lows, the, 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 the confidence and the foundation and the assurance that, <coughs> what Jesus has done gives us is such a, is such a foundation that really helps. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, I've been reflecting on sort of, yeah, identity as well. So, um, you know, my identity is in Christ. Um, it's not in my job and the things that I do in this life, which is great because I don't really enjoy my job. Um, so <laughs> I hope none of my employers the are stream is on. Um, but yeah, I think... Something that God has um, yeah, laid on my heart a lot um, in my Christian life um, is Isaiah 40, um, which is just a, such a wonderful chapter about um, how big um, our Lord is. Um, you know, to whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. 
Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. I mean, we didn't see the stars much when we were living in South London. <laughs> you can't really see the sky there. But, you know, what encouragement to, you know, look, look up to the skies, um, see the stars that our Lord has called um, by name, and to know that um, that Lord loves us. Um, so, yeah, in, in the lows, knowing how um, big and powerful our God is, you know, we can question him and the things that he does. Um, but he is so big and powerful and wonderful, and we, we know where we're going. And, you know, hopefully in the new creation, we will have a lot of those answers. Um, what a thing to look forward to. That's great. Thanks so much for that. Um, if you had one, what's the best thing about Jesus at the minute for you? Have you got, have you got one of those? You've done a little bit of that. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus was born because I really enjoy Christmas. So. Yeah, yeah, great, yes, yeah. <laughs> this access to pigs in blankets. I'd never exactly. looked at Jesus in that way before, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I do also have a cheese advent calendar. So. Oh, a cheese advent calendar, yeah. I think... Shall I give the holy answer? Yes. I think like, Jesus, Jesus God, has given us so much, and actually, in all seriousness, as I look around this room, there are so many faces here that have given us so much encouragement, so much love, so much help, encouragement, and support, even in the year that we've been here. So alongside all of the things that we've talked about in terms of a hope for the future, a firm foundation for our lives, and all of that confidence... Um, by his grace and his love, he also gives us lovely church family, mm. brothers and sisters who love us and look after us when we're in those lows and who we can rejoice with when we're in the highs as well. I love Jesus because he's given us people like you. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you guys should sit down before I start crying. Come on, let's go. This reading is from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. The promised child is born. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, Ju to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. This is the word of the Lord. The fifth reading is taken from uh, Luke, uh, chapter 2, 8 to 20. The shepherds witnessed the arrival of Jesus. And there were shepherds living out uh, in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told about. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Humble coming of the King. Philippians 2, 3 to 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Uh, I heard a story this week that made me smile. Uh, uh, two naughty boys were begging their dad to open a present uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, the father had anticipated this particular eventuality and handed them two big boxes, uh, but he'd filled them with lumps of coal, uh, hoping it would help them manage their expectations uh, and teach them to be thankful, even if they didn't get everything they wanted uh, that Christmas. Just remember, this is the, the first present that Dad advised, uh, somewhat nervous now about his plan. Surprisingly, the boys were ecstatic as they opened their presents. Uh, why are you so excited about coal? Uh, the confused father asked. Uh, the younger boy looked at him in total exasperation. You said this was only the first present, and we never imagined until now that Santa would bring us that full-size steam train we'd asked for. <laughs> Perhaps some of us in this room can relate to those boys and the hope, uh, those longings that got ever more intense as Christmas Day got nearer. Actually, as I get older, uh, uh, maybe you too, uh, relate more to the dads. There's sort of anxieties 
uh, around gifts and expectations and the, the financial cost that might be involved. Perhaps this year, uh, more than most, uh, we're especially conscious, aren't we, of managing expectations as we find ourselves in an economic recession, um, facing down a, a cost of living crisis, perhaps like a one like we've never seen yeah, in our lifetime. Well, whether we already are feeling poorer or whether we'll be significantly poorer when Christmas is done, uh, the verse I wanted to focus on, we've had read, we've had read already to us, uh, comes, I think, this evening as great news. It's a great verse. It beautifully, I think, captures uh, the whole message of Christmas. Uh, these are words of a man called Paul. Uh, he's writing as an early follower of Jesus to some Christians in a city called Corinth around AD 50. And these are words to help us celebrate Christmas, uh, even in the midst of a, a cost of living crisis. The words are, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. If these words are true, uh, they are great news, aren't they? As it offers us a gift that I think puts all other gifts in the shade and promises us uh, resources and riches uh, beyond our wildest dreams. And just over the next few minutes, I want us to grasp uh, three astonishing things, I think, from this verse that gets us to the heart of Christmas. Here's the first one. Uh, Jesus was rich. Jesus was rich. It's worth uh, pausing at this point because I don't think it's immediately obvious uh, to those, perhaps, who are familiar with the, 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 the birth story of Jesus that he was rich. But our verse, I think, reminds us that Jesus didn't begin life uh, as a baby born in Bethlehem. If you like, Christmas began in eternity past with a Jesus enthroned in the magnificent riches of heavenly glory. All the riches of heaven were his. All the resources of God at his disposal. If you remember from one of the traditional readings often used at a, a carol service, um, John, writing about Jesus, uh, writes these words. In the beginning was the Word, it's Jesus, and the Word was God, with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Later in the New Testament, uh, it goes further by saying, all things were made by him and for him. Sometimes it's quite hard to find a gift for somebody who has literally everything. Do you know? It's, it's tough, isn't it? But here in this verse, we are brought face to face with uh, the one who truly had everything. That's how rich he was. There was nothing he lacked or needed. And that richness wasn't simply material. Uh, it was first and foremost relational. He enjoyed the rich and unbroken love and delights of his heavenly father. So next time you look at those kind of Christmas cards, those nativity scenes, maybe we need to slightly rethink uh, our take on this baby. Well, I wonder whether your Christmas begins with a, a Jesus as rich as this. Because if, if it doesn't, we won't get Christmas right. We won't understand the gift of Jesus. 
unless we begin here on our knees before someone who is gloriously rich and fantastically loaded. And then second, it's the same Jesus, uh, the one who is unimaginably rich, who in the words of our verse becomes poor. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Not for Jesus a, a swanky birthing suite in the Portland. And no, at his birth, this baby was wrapped in rags and placed in an animal feeding trough in an unhygienic stable. And having made his humble entrance, the, the first years of Jesus' life were lived on earth as a refugee before he eventually settled in a, a, a Palestinian backwater called Nazareth. Things didn't get much better as he grew up. Uh, Joseph isn't mentioned beyond his teens. It's quite likely uh, that Jesus uh, grew up as a, a, a part of a single-parent family and as, as his main breadwinner. And at the end of his short life, the only uh, property he could lay claim to were the, the clothes literally on his back. Someone said, uh, Jesus was born in a borrowed manger. He preached from a borrowed boat. He entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, uh, held the Last Supper, in a borrowed upper room, and was buried in a borrowed tomb. <coughs> but actually, the real uh, point here about Jesus becoming poor is not so much to do with his lack of material resources, but his lack of status. In contrast to priorities that uh, many in our own culture uh, pursue, Jesus willingly laid aside all privilege and status, as that last reading we had made so clear. Could you imagine a more uh, shocking uh, riches-to-rags story? The creator becomes a creature. The maker of all becomes a helpless, dependent newborn. Uh, the word, as John calls him, uh, has to learn to speak. The one who flung stars into space has to develop muscle coordination. The one who's the bread of life has to be weaned onto solids. Uh, some of you remember, uh, perhaps a few Christmases ago, Prince William gave up his uh, palace uh, bed for a night uh, to sleep rough on the streets of London. Uh, it was a touching gesture, received quite a lot of media attention. But one dramatic tabloid headline, a prince to pauper, uh, made me want to smile. But such a headline would be rightfully applied, wouldn't it, to Jesus and the story of that first Christmas. Well, at this time of year, many do give generously to charities like Crisis at Christmas, that national sort of homeless uh, charity. But what about someone who gives us all they have and even becomes homeless themselves? But that is what Jesus did. And if our world seems obsessed by, uh, with becoming upwardly mobile, Jesus strikingly and very deliberately chooses, doesn't he, the path of downward mobility. As our reading put it, being in very nature God, Jesus Christ made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a, a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as a man, he humbled himself, yet further became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's how poor Jesus becomes. See, if you fast forward through his life, we discover that the poverty of his birth, uh, the incarnation, is just a stepping stone to an even greater descent, that one that ends and culminates 
in the most brutal and humiliating of deaths. And it's true, we can't really speak can we, of how poor Jesus uh, is until we speak about his cross, at a place in history where Jesus truly plumbed uh, the depths and darkest of poverty. And becoming, if you like, spiritually bankrupt, having that incredible relationship with his heavenly father severed, Jesus went from the highest rung of heaven to the, one, to the lowest depths of hell. Now, the obvious question is why? Why would he do that? But again, our verse makes that very clear, doesn't it? That's our third point. Look down again, or look up that verse. Um, it will appear on the screen. There it is. Though he was yet rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that so through his poverty uh, we might become rich. I guess many of us here tonight might not consider ourselves uh, genuinely poor. Uh, but many, I guess, uh, no doubt some here, are feeling increasingly anxious when it comes to covering the basics, heating our homes, maybe even putting food on the table. But interestingly, the Bible says that the deepest poverty we all experience is not primarily material. Deep, deep down, even in our money-obsessed society, we know it's possible to have sort of all the, the, the material blessings that life has to offer and yet still be poor. Um, to live lives that are empty, uh, deep in the red when it comes to contentment and fulfillment and joy. Now, when the Bible describes us as poor, it means relationally poor. It's homing in on that most important of all relationships, uh, that relationship with God, our creator. And this verse is confronting us with the, the painful truth that when it comes to God, we are uh, spiritually poor, relationally poor. See, the truth is we live, we live in a world made by God, and yet we, in effect, live as though we are God. And although our very existence uh, comes from him and depends upon him, uh, the reality is we, we shut our lives away from him. And the fact that we ignore God and act as though we know better than him just shows, doesn't it, the depths of our poverty. Just a little earlier, we said that everything that has been made was made uh, for Jesus. So our, our lives were meant to reflect that reality as we acknowledged him and, and lived uh, with him at the very centre of our lives. Of course, over the Christmas period, some will make a fuss, won't they, of the baby Jesus. Uh, but the truth is, for many of us, through much of the year, he barely registers on our radars. It's a failure to orientate our, our lives around him, to love and to, to honour him. And that puts us in such serious debt and leaves us so poor. But here in our verses, we are often with the most extraordinary riches and wealth that we could ever dream of. Uh, that richness of being in the right relationship with God uh, rather than in the wrong. Uh, the immeasurable wealth of, of having a guilty conscience made clean the incalculable value of a life lived with real purpose and meaning in that restored relationship. The treasures that we've already heard about of an unimaginably glorious inheritance, the very riches of heaven that Jesus willingly gave up for us. I don't know about you, but that's definition of being rich, rich towards God, rich in relationship with him, 
so much more glorious, isn't it, than anything that this world offers, anything that is in the Christmas catalogues this year. Well, it was nice, wasn't it, for Prince William to give up uh, his normal bed for a night, to rough it. It was a touching gesture. Didn't have to do it. And perhaps it did help him uh, have greater empathy with those who do that day after day. But here in our verse, we learn that Jesus uh, didn't simply have a go at being poor. He really became poor. But the Bible claims that he became spiritually bankrupt. He shouldered the debt that we owe God. Uh, he experienced that God's forsakenness that's rightfully ours on the cross in order that we might know the riches and wealth that was his in his place. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I hope to discover that even this evening that uh, Jesus offers us no cheap and cheerful Christmas that leaves us empty and disappointed. I hope you see that the story of the first Christmas is a, not a call to, to manage expectations in order to avoid disappointment. It's a challenge to our hopes when they're too small. The gift offered to us at Christmas is a gift that cost Jesus everything. But incredibly, it is offered to each of us freely and without charge. It is, a, I think, the gift, isn't it, for broken Britain? It's a gift that restores our broken relationship to him. The perfect gift for any here this evening who will acknowledge that they are spiritually credit-crunched when it comes to knowing and enjoying God. You have noticed that our verse begins with that wonderful word, grace. It's a great Bible word, and it's explained like this. You find it? Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the, the Christmas gift that Jesus wants to offer. Well, as I close, or draw to a close, I, I wonder if you know anything of this grace, this gift that God wants to give us. This gift that comes free because Jesus was willing to pay everything to give us what we desperately needed. Almost done. But I wonder what you think of when you think about God. The Bible says that if we really want to see what God is like, then the place to do that is in the person of Jesus and in this gift. See, when we look into the face of Jesus, we discover the God who really is, is not a God who throws his loose change at us. He is the sort of God who gives up everything for us. And many here will gladly affirm that he's a God worth knowing and living for. Well, a number of Christmases back, uh, on the 15th of December, at 11pm precisely, someone missed out the chance to claim a whopping 64 million on the Euro lottery jackpot. You can't help thinking, can you? you know, imagine someone on December the 16th sticking their hand in their pocket and pulling out that ticket. Oh! And realising they'd missed the opportunity to claim that prize. Well, tonight, this verse we've been thinking about is like the ticket. And the question is, will we trust its promise? 
Will we let Jesus gift us with riches beyond our imagining? Not least the richness of gift, the gift of, of a relationship with God himself. Or will you miss out on the greatest opportunity, the greatest gift that we could ever know? Tonight, this Christmas, will be a great time to receive that gift. In a moment, I'm going to lead you a short prayer. If you want to make these words your own, then do pray quietly in your hearts. Let's hear that verse just one more time as we finish. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Lord Jesus, thank you that through becoming unimaginably poor, uh, abandoned on a cross, you reached into my poverty that I might know your riches. Thank you for the amazing riches that you offer, uh, forgiveness, new life, an amazing secure future, riches beyond our wildest dreams, uh, because of what you did that first Christmas. And tonight we want to hold up our empty hands and receive that gift. Uh, thank you for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.